0: It is out of love. I know JDM can be tougher at times, and <laughs> certainly I can be. I love sense. you. Just brought <laughs> in that I'm gonna shred people down, and you're gonna
1: build them back up. Again. But I'm just like, <laughs> y'all are doing shit work with your landing pages. All of y'all suck. What are you doing out there? And Cameron's like, oh, we're we're talking out of love, baby. We're doing this out of love. We just we have different di- wrong, we have different love but, languages,
0: you know. JDM. We have different love languages.
1: Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Zero to Traction, a podcast about how first-time founders create startups that scale. I'm one of your co-hosts, JDM, aka Josh David Miller, and I'm here with my other co-host and my friend, Cameron Law.
0: Cameron, how are you today? I'm doing great. Excited to be here and looking forward to launching this with you, JDM.
1: We got a good show today, three topics. We're going to first talk about, well, who we are and what the heck we're doing and what this podcast is all about, because it is our first episode, so we got to figure that out. Topic two, some startup misnomers, traction fallacies, the things that the world just seems to get wrong about those concepts and why we're going to come and rescue, save the day, and so forth. And then topic three, to talk about some tools and terminology and how that kind of all connects together in inside of this. It's
0: going to be fun. Well, Cameron, why don't you get us started with our first segment? Perfect. Well, let's hop on into who we are and why we're ultimately here and launching this podcast for all of you. i uh, hoping you're those first-time founders and uh, looking forward to getting building those scalable startups. But my name's Cameron Law. I don't have a cool, fancy, short JDM. It'd be CRL, which is a little less cool than JDM or JDooms. But I have the pleasure of working up with startups and entrepreneurs. And I'm excited to, to launch this podcast with a, a fellow startup champion, JDM. And a little bit about me, I I currently serve as the executive director of a Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship called the Carlson Center. And uh, we work with students and community members in launching their businesses from idea to seed stage. And uh, outside of that, I get to work with a number of startups through organizing One Million Cups, which I think I've been on the team for six years with a little brief hiccup there every now and then. But and that's just really great community organizing and serving founders, but also uh, you know building startup weekends and startup challenges, which is our uh, other venture that JDM and I and uh, Laura Good have launched here through the Carlson Center, and you know just get to serve startups in a variety of ways and help them navigate the journey. Part of my passion is really understanding the ecosystem around supporting entrepreneurs and giving them the tools and resources and connections to succeed, and so. My personal why I really us launching this podcast together was, I've always wanted to be leading a podcast. I've been on many of them as guests, but I felt like it was my time to shine, I guess, and uh, bringing this to fruition. And I'm excited to to partner with JDM and launching this. So I'll turn it back to to you, JDM, on sharing a little bit more about who you are and what brought you to starting this podcast. Well, I am
1: excited to to be doing this podcast with you. Like I said in the intro, you know, Josh David Miller, Josh JDM, J Doom, as as you mentioned, people call me sometimes. Fortunately or unfortunately, we'll we'll just kind of leave that up to historians to uh, to decide. But uh, not my first rodeo. This is, I think, my third podcast or so. Of course, I've been a guest on on a number of them. I'm a content creator, so content creator is gonna create, you know, that's kind of why I'm here. I'm a really big fan of podcasts. I love the medium, I love the the honor, frankly, that that we get from letting us drop into their ear, keep them company on their commute or at the gym or while they're doing the dishes, whatever it is, but to spend that kind of intimate time together with people. And it's not for you know, 60 seconds, it's not like a, a TikTok or a reel or even a YouTube video. For me, work with early stage startups just like you do my specialty is in traction and in helping startups between the seed and series a kinds of stage so when they start thinking like oh there's something there we've got we've got some customers we've got some revenue maybe we've got some investment at this particular point point." and it's like how do we get this to to a place where it's gonna all be predictable and all be repeatable you know with like this really robust traction evidence.
0: Well awesome. Well let's uh hop into Well why why do we come up with this topic of zero to traction? What's that all about? And so, you know, as entrepreneurs and looking at kind of the marketplace and understanding the people that we are serving, we you know, we really looked at some of the things like traction and the misunderstanding that's around that. And a lot of times that misunderstanding can take an entrepreneur way down the wrong path as they're following maybe evidence that's you know, not helping them along that journey. And then also we know just, you know, we teach many of the tools and provide, you know, frameworks for entrepreneurs and getting started. But a lot of times when it's, you know, where do you get started go check out this book or check out this tool and often is very generic and not always helpful in, in terms of like, how do I actually apply this on a regular basis to test, say, your assumptions and actually get your startup going in the right direction and starting to explore those unknowns. And so that's really where We wanted to come in and give you that honest conversation in that place for you to kind of hear how you can apply those tools and ultimately kind of look at it through a different lens.
1: For me, there's like a pet peeve that's kind of buried into the why, which is that there's so much crap out there when it comes to startups. There's just so much like utter crap. And so like you either get, like you said, information that's really generic. So it's, it's, well, you just want to start up as, you know, you're going to fill out a business model canvas, and then you're going to do a value pop canvas, and then we're going to have demo day and everything's going to be great. Yay! And it's just, it's ridiculous. It, it doesn't help anybody get from, from A to B. So the information can be really generic. And then you get the other end of that extreme, which is a much bigger pet peeve for me, which is where somebody will say like, oh, well, these are the five steps to launching your startup. Every startup follows. No, they don't. Startups are different. And so then you end up with this like formula approach as if you're launching a Subway franchise. and That's just ridiculous. And startups are inherently unknown and risky and just crazy different and weird and fun. You can't attack it generically and you can't attack it with specificity, but what we can do is teach people how to think in startups, how to think like a successful startup founder, how to create that company that scales, even if it's your first time. And it's not just about memorizing tools. It's about thinking like, how do I think in the space? Like, what is the right thing to be thinking right now? It's that metacognition. And then how, do, like, then what tool do I use? Then I can go pick one off the shelf.
0: I love that last point. Like there, there are tools that you would use to ultimately build the startup, right? It's not, it's not the building itself, right? It was like, you'll, you'll learn about some tools later, such as the business model canvas and things like that, which we think are great tools, but building that is not your business, right? And so. You're not in business until you're getting the the customers and and seeing that traction as you get there, right? And so we really want to empower you to be able to take these tools and apply it and actually do the hard work of building it and making progress on your startup. And so you know, as we kind of look at this this podcast, what to expect, right? What are they What are they going to get from us, JDM? Well, I know one they're going to get a great energy and a good balance. We got the shredder of business models and. I don't have as cool of a name, but maybe the picker up. That's me uh, for the record. And putting it together. But as we look at this podcast, I think, you know, a couple of the things that you're going to be able to walk away is some of those specific tools and techniques of how to do these things, right? We're going to be throwing out things like, oh, how to test your assumptions, right? We're going to give you tools, but we're also going to share stories in an anthropological way, which really is bringing people in to share a best case scenario of how they've done that. We're going to dissect those stories to say, this is how they use that tool that we talked about and how that led to this evidence being known or this breakthrough that allowed them to double down on certain things in relation to their business model. You're going to have a conversation style just as we're having here. We, we love to have fun and uh, it's going to be great. We're going to be bringing in guests. We're going to be bringing in entrepreneurs, subject matter experts, and people all around startups and uh, entrepreneurship. So we're excited. That's kind of what to expect here from the Zero to Traction podcast.
1: So, I think it's a great segue into this concept of startups and interact, so let's talk about what we mean by those because I think that that can be a the first thing I think that people get hung up on when it comes to to startups. So if we start with like what actually is a startup, and that seems like it should be a fairly straightforward thing to describe but if you like, if you spend any time in ecosystem development like Cameron and I do, then you, you quickly learn that everybody has a different definition. For some people, you know, it's just SaaS. It's just software as a service. That's it. It's a, it's a web app or mobile app and boom, those are startups and that's it. And then for other people, it also includes small businesses. For others, it includes CPG or consumer packaged goods. And for other people, it includes, you know, medical devices. And so it's like, so what do we mean when, when we, when we talk about startup? And I think for me, for the purposes of, of this podcast and for my professional work, it's the Steve Blank definition, which I really like, which is that a startup is an organization in search of a business model. I think that kind of captures the essence of it here. It's this uncertainty thing. It's that, okay, we have this, there's an idea there. We think about what we what might work here. You know, we're going to have a customer, we're going to offer them this value, and then we're going to capture some value in return, and we're going to deliver it to them a certain way, whether that's a device or a packaged good or a mobile app, whatever. We're going to deliver it to them in a certain way and get money from it, right? It's that that whole business model, but we don't know what it is yet. Because we're doing something new, we're doing something different, we're doing something innovative. And so we have to find through, you know, with the customer, what the right business model is. And then once you figure out that formula, right, for what works, then you're no longer a a startup.
0: Yeah, I think the only other element I'd bring in there is those, the unknown of that business model, right? It's not just like starting with, oh, I can take this off the shelf and start to apply it to maybe a little bit different customer segment or or those types of things, right? It's really exploring the unknowns that are associated with it, right? And that's where that kind of, in search of a new business model that's not already out there, right? And so it's riddled with that. And a part of that is also just all the risk that comes with it, right? So it's in starting something that there's like no real known model of how to take this thing that you have in your head and actually bring it to fruition. It's riddled with those risks. And that's ultimately one of the, the misnomers, right? Is it's not just something you can take off the shelf and apply. It's, I need to find all of the elements of where am I reaching these people to? How, who am I actually targeting? What, what language attracts them and how do I monetize it? Right. All of those good things that go into that startup in the entirety of its business model.
1: I think I add like another, another fallacy about startups is that they're all scalable. And that's because we think when we think startups, we think, you know, huge companies, we think the Facebooks of the world, you know, where, you know, you create something and suddenly you have, you know, a billion users or whatever, but that they can scale to those really big numbers. And they do get a lot of the attention, but not every startup is scalable and not every scalable business is a startup because they don't all have that, that uncertainty, right, that you mentioned that has to be de-risked out of the process. But all startups have that, have that riskiness. but the scalability component is where a lot of the energy for startups go into because that's where we talk about investment, right? An investor, a traditional equity-based investor, is only going to invest in a startup that can scale really large because of all that uncertainty, it's risky. And so they're putting money in it that they could just lose. So they have to get really big outsized rewards. They're not looking for a stock market, you know, 15% return on something. They're looking for you know 10x or 100x returns on the investments that they're putting in, and so they need that big scalable component, you know, into it. They need that 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 thing to make them get really excited and really interested, like willing to write those early stage checks.
0: I like the way you'd put it. Right, it was like not all startups are scalable, and not all scalable businesses are are startups, right? And I I just hone in on that uncertainty component of it, and that you know say you wanted to create, you know, the next franchise, right? Like that's a scalable business, but not a startup because the model exists that you're going to be scaling, whether that's in a, a different geography or something of that sort. But really that uncertainty a lot of times starts with like, your who are you targeting and the way you're reaching those people with whatever the thing you're trying to potentially create. We'll talk all about the misnomers of, you don't have to, it's not build it and they will come anymore, right? It, you need to identify Who you're targeting, what those issues are, and then ultimately how you could build a solution to solve those particular needs, right? But that's where the uncertainty is, is like, is this problem big enough, right? So it's like, oh, I I saw that JDM had this problem. Well, is that only JDM and five friends, or is that the millions of JDMs across the globe? And are they willing to pay you for it? Right. And that's really where that marketplace and investment comes in is can your $1 invested actually make an impact in that overall potentially global market, right? That they're trying to see that business scale to.
1: The interesting thing about, you mentioned the, like the franchise thing and the, and the restaurant thing, and it's because we know how restaurants work. You have fixed costs, you have variable costs, right? You have human resources, you have food that you have to get and you charge for the food, you charge for their time in the, in the restaurant, right? So it's pretty well understood. But when the pandemic hit, And that threw just like this massive wrench into all of these restaurants, such that a lot of restaurants then made the choice to become startups, to become organizations in search of a new business model because the old one wasn't working. And this is where you had some restaurants getting pretty innovative and saying, like, well, let's actually start selling ingredients because we have their supply chain problems that have led to grocery store shortages because everybody's buying from the grocery store and nobody's buying from the restaurants, but the restaurant supply chain and the grocery store supply chains are different. So we have stuff that we can sell now. And so then they, they become this organization and searching for a business model. Like, can we sell this stuff? And so it's like, we think these old stodgy, well-understood industries are kind of immune from this. Not right. And that's kind of the interesting part is that we can, that a startup can look really different. It can, it can already be an existing business. Maybe it's already doing well, but that thing that makes a startup a startup is that uncertainty. And with that uncertainty comes with that risk.
0: The classic, I think one for me is the like good old blockbuster Netflix, right? It was like at the end of the day, you're just getting, you are getting rentals of movies to someone, but Netflix and launching, you know, their whole business was completely unknown. Would people actually be willing to like have a, a movie delivered to them or watch it online? I still remember with my fiance, I used to, I had like 300 DVDs. And I still remember the day she's like, well, do, have you heard of this thing, Netflix? I was like, no, I'll never do Netflix. I, I love the the hard DVDs, well, let alone I'm now subscribed to Netflix, Hulu, Apple, you know, all of it. Right. But it was that shift of, I wasn't that early adopter customer, right. Because I was already vested in, in the current, you know, times, but as as they found that that value proposition for some of those earlier adopters and now they've gotten into these people that obviously are you know mass scale at this stage. But you know, for me is is a good example is kind of the, the blockbuster Netflix story of like, oh, there the market was huge, but there was the the unrisk the uncertainty that was associated with it as they launched.
1: I think that like this un this concept of uncertainty is really interesting. It can kind of guide couple of other fallacies and misnomers that we have. And so I kind of I think this is the best order to take them. We'll talk about investment first. So a lot of people seem to think, and I don't know if this is like a shark tank problem. And I don't think you want to get me started on a shark tank rant today, maybe on a future episode, but I don't know if it's because of shark tanker or, or just, just the way people tend to think about things in ego, but people seem to think that investors invest in ideas that they hear, oh, that's a really good idea. I want to put my money in that idea. And that's not true. And you get people who then say, well, okay, yeah, but they're investing in the team too. It's like, well, yes, they're investing in the team. And to a degree, they're investing in the idea, but they're not investing really in any of those things directly because of how risky startups are. They're not willing to just throw their money into an idea, but startups are looking for what Alex Blumberg, who is the founder of Gimlet Media, called a credible theory of hugeness. And so, like, you can say, oh, I got this, you know, idea and this thing, and it's, and I think it's going to be world changing, right? So you're like, okay, well, it could be scalable. That's the hugeness part, credible theory, hugeness, right? That's the hugeness part. It could get really big. That's, that's interesting. But then the, there's the middle word, a the theory word, right? Which is to say, like, okay, maybe, and there's a big maybe here, right? But maybe this could get really big, but you're not big now. So how are you going to get from where you are now to really big? Because I, as an investor, am not getting my money unless you can actually get there. So how are you going to do it? And so a startup pitch is right articulating that theory of how they're going to get huge. So that's the theory of hugeness, but it has to be credible, right? And this is where that you have to get evidence coming in where that shows like, yes, you're the right team and the timing is right. The traction is there and there's a bunch of T's that we can go through. but. You have to have all of this evidence that you're on the right track for this thing and that you're the right team to execute on that. And that's what an investor is investing in. And so when we talk about the work of a startup, too often people are chasing those investment dollars from day one. I need to figure out how I'm going to go and, and and make this into a thing. I don't have a thing now. I need money to do that. How am I going to money? And so they try to chase down that path, which just leads to Failure because they're not going to invest in you unless you have that evidence, and the evidence isn't found on the path to the investor. The evidence is found on the path to the customer, and that's the concept that we call traction.
0: I definitely see that as like the the main source of challenge, right? Like someone comes in with an idea and they're like, "I need access to capital," right? Like that's always number one like misnomer there, and I think part of it when they do that is you've set the business actually to sell the idea of the business versus. Is there an actual need that you're trying to solve with the customer, right? Like that's the, that's the hugest is there's that many people with that problem out there that are willing to pay you for it, right? And so doing that, that work along the way in terms of traction, I definitely believe that that's a misnomer. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, it's not being able to tell that story along the lines of like, what are, what evidence are you getting along that journey to be able to speak to that credible component, right? A lot of times you get the charismatic leader who can tell a great story, but you're like, wait, let me ask you a question on this. And it's like, oh, have you talked to anyone that you, that's that customer? It's like, no, I actually, I just I just sent out a survey <laughs> and that was all the information that <laughs> I pop. Versus like, no, I've talked to these people. This is the pattern that I'm starting to see in terms of what the evidence is showing, the language that they're using around that problem set, right? And that is ultimately starting that chain right and the the more you start to understand elements of your business model that builds on that foundation for saying the next riskiest component to my business model is x well now let's go systematically test that so i can be able to better understand that and i think entrepreneurs don't always look at they think about like i launched a landing page that's traction was like well did anyone come to the landing page what language did you have on it right those types of things and I was actually talking to an entrepreneur earlier today and part of that is like those feel like wins, right? They feel like, oh, I made something tangible. But when you look at it, it was like, did you really make any progress to understanding any of the unknowns that you didn't have? I was like, no, I didn't, right? And a lot of times we'll talk about it's really procrastinating on doing the work that's key to your startup and your business, right? It was like going and having those tough conversations to see if like, does this even need to exist in the world? Does anyone have this problem? Right. But really what that partly is, is it's unprocessed fear. Right. It was like, I have this thing in my head that I feel like can have a lot of value. And if I put it out into the world and get feedback and says, no, this is a stupid idea. Like I I can empathize that. Like that's going to hurt. Right. Like if no one wants the thing that you think is going to create value for them, like that's not an easy thing to do. But you don't want to spend time, energy, and resources in pursuing things that don't actually allow you to get to that answer, right? One way or another, whether that's one month from now or 10 years from now, and you're still working on the thing, right? You're going to get that if there's actually the need. And so I think that starting to put that into mindset of hopefully we can illuminate kind of some of that misnomer around traction and what that actually means, because it's going to get you the information you need to move your startup in the right direction.
1: I like the (laughs) The example of the landing page, like
0: I launched the landing page, I've got you know, it's got traction, right?
1: It reminds me, I was I was at the like a, a beauty supply store with my wife just like yesterday, and they, she was looking at like eye creams, right? and on the box when she was like comparing a couple of them, on the box for one of them, it said ophthalmologist tested, and of course the first thing that came to mind for me is like, okay, but what was the test and what did the test show? Because all you told me was that somebody did a test somewhere. You haven't know, told me what, like, it kind of burned out their retinas and it's you could still put ophthalmologist tested as long as they're <laughs> the other way did the test. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like you put a landing page out there and so what? Like, what did, what was the test? The landing page is not a test, right. it's an asset, right? What was the test and what did the test show? There's this concept that I won't get into here for, for time, but we we it's called innovation accounting, right? And the idea is that when you're looking at traditional, Means of of measurement and metrics for a business. You're going to look at sales. You're going to look at market share. Might look at customer lifetime value. You know, cost per sale. You know, whatever. There's going to be a whole set of metrics you're going to look at. And when you're first starting out in a startup, not and I don't just mean like when you have an idea, although it's certainly true then, But even when you get into seed stage, like seed stage where you're also getting investment, those numbers are all functionally zero. They're not literally zero. But they're functionally zero. They're not important things to measure yet because they're just not big enough to be interesting. And so they become the wrong things to measure. It's so like, okay, so what, what can we measure now? Like, so we need a new way of doing accounting for startups. We call it innovation accounting. And the, basically you think about it like a chain. If at the end of the chain is that those big metrics, they say lifetime value or market share or whatever, but at the end of the chain is that, and you were to like reverse engineer measurement 10, measurement nine, measurement eight, measurement seven, like what is the thing that you can measure right now that if you're wrong about it, right, then you're never going to get there anyway, right? So you can like, what is it that you can measure right now? It's that chain of evidence, which we can also call evidence of buying behavior, right? What can we get customers to do along the way? So, and that's traction. Traction is how much confirmatory data you have in support of your market hypothesis. So going back to like the landing page, the landing page is an asset. And so people will say, oh, you know, I want to figure out if people like it. So I'm going to throw a landing page offer. And My first question is always the same. It's how are you going to get customers to go to the landing page? Because <laughs> I think we skipped a step. Which is you can only get them to there if you have an audience, which you can either buy with an ad. And that's not necessarily wrong, which you can buy with an ad or you can acquire organically by building a social following or whatever. But the experiment is then, okay, I have a pool of people. I'm going to get said pool of people to this landing page. And then I'm expecting X percent to actually click it. And if they do, that's traction. That's great. That's awesome. But if you don't have the people to get to the landing page or you don't get that conversion on the landing page, you didn't get traction. You just had an asset, right? You just had installation art on the internet and the internet is full of installation art, right? So traction is that confirmatory data, actual acquisition of knowledge, right? Of validated learning that you get back from the market.
0: The reason I think part of bringing up these misnomers and helping you really tackle some of these Uncertainties and really pushing that edge of what traction means not to put a landing page is because we we genuinely care for you and want you to succeed in your business because we know that if you're just out there building landing pages and, and investing your own resources, time and energy, you're not making progress to bringing that thing to fruition versus really switching that mindset to say, how can I build that chain of evidence of buying behavior, right? And understand if I'm actually on that right path that you're actually going to be bringing that thing more tangibly into the world than creating a landing page or creating an email whatever that might be i think that those are great assets but right it's about how are you going to use that to test ultimately that buying behavior or that evidence that goes into all of those components of the of the business model so there it is out of love i know jdm can be tougher at times and <laughs> certainly i can be but you know overall it is genuinely <laughs> i tough. love
1: you, you just know, brought in the what you teased at the top which was like <laughs> that i'm gonna shred people out and you're gonna build them back up again Then i'm just like y'all are doing shit work with your landing pages all y'all suck what are you doing out there and cameron's like oh we're we're talking out of love baby we're doing this out of love we just we have different, I mean, di- wrong, we have different love but, languages
0: you know. jd and we have different love languages that will say that nonetheless but but no, it all is is the same means to the same end in terms of, you know, it. you need to be breaking it down in that way and really thinking differently about the way you're building your startup and that it is a mindset shift, right? And, you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, creating a landing page and an asset, that feels good, right? Like, it's like, yes, I accomplished something. But when you ask yourself that hard question, did I actually... Make any progress to knowing some of these things that are core to my business and succeeding, you haven't, right? But you do now have that asset. So now, what are you going to do to test that next level of assumptions to ultimately demonstrate that? And so, I want to transition us kind of to our third segment here. And we've been throwing out a lot of uh, jargon and language around startups, business models, all those types of things. And we're going to be doing that throughout the the Zero to Traction podcast and. But we wanted to kind of just like have a conversation around some of the core ones that you're going to hear episode after episode that we believe are really valuable. And so we just wanted to make sure we created some space. If you wanted to learn more about any of these tools, definitely go check out the show notes. That's a great place to go check out and learn more. So we'll be putting those in there. Um, But to kick us off, maybe I'll pass it to you, JDM, on the kind of like this context of business model and maybe a tool called the business model canvas, which I know we'll refer to on occasion. And how does that tie to some of the things we've already been talking about and maybe future topics that we'll be chatting about?
1: There's so many tools out there, so many tools. Like we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about tools when they're appropriate, but going back to like my pet peeve from earlier, is this tools for tools sake, right? That this is the order you do things and you always need to do these. Like every startup needs to do a business model canvas. And I actually disagree with that. I think that's, that's wrong advice because most of the time when you're just starting out, you don't have enough information to fill out a business model canvas. Why? Because a business model canvas documents in these nine boxes, everything you need to know about your business or everything you want to know about your business or anything you think you know about your business. It covers the things that are outside your company, things like who the customer is and how you're talking to them and the relationships you're establishing with them, how you're charging them money, covers the inside the company, everything from your key resources and activities to how much you're charging to your partners. And all that's glued together like the internal and exterior are glued together by the value proposition and that's a lot of stuff that was nine things I just I just mentioned and it is everything having to do with your business and the tool is a really valuable way to get some of that written down and if you're a startup on the rise you get a little traction you know you kind of move along it's a great way to document hypotheses and then you you can start pointing at which ones have evidence and which ones don't. And you then you say, okay, well, this one's actually really important and foundational. I don't have a lot of evidence for it. So maybe this is the thing that I want to focus on, right? So it can create focus and that's amazing. And then you go and do the experiment. You get data back and you modify the business model canvas. Oh, I was wrong about this, which also means I'm going to need to charge a different number, right? Or whatever it is. And then you can watch that story unfold over time. That's the right way to use a tool like that. It can help you in your journey of finding traction. By creating focus, by exposing uncertainty, right? Exposing where that risk is. But if you just do this as an exercise, a checkbox to do list exercise where, Oh, I've done a business model of canvas check, right? Then you're, you're really just wasting your time. You're not doing anything of value, right? Which is why I say it's not always the right approach for really early stage startups anyway. I totally. think that there are simpler, simpler ways to get started, right? But, um, but anyway, so, but it's this tool that if used correctly, if used at the right moment, is really powerful. And so I'd love, you know, for people to get out of the show if at some point we're like, you know, what's really great for this is this tool and here's how you go use it. And not saying here are the five tools you have to learn, right? To be a startup guy. You're a startup guy if you know spreadsheets and you know these five tools.
0: I think for me, it's a really great visual to see the connectivity of those assumptions, right? Like it shows that chain of, lack of evidence, at least when you do your your first model, right? You like, okay, I think I'm targeting this person. Well, okay, well, like, okay, now I see the channels that I might have to reach and all of the the assumptions that build on that one. So it's like, okay, now I need to go test my most riskiest one, which is, am I targeting the right person, right? At least when you're starting out that business, right? And so for me, it's that great visual to show that connectivity as you get done. And so maybe I'll dive in deeper to one of those elements, you know, for me is really in terms of customers, we'll talk about customer discovery or getting out of the building and going and doing the work, right? That's like going out and actually talking to the people that you are have identified have the problem that you're potentially trying to solve, right? And so that element of customer discovery, there's a lot baked into it, but it's really trying to understand their needs on a variety of different levels. And those will allow you to understand where those assumptions lie, but also the language that they use around that problem set that you've identified and so taking on kind of that mentality of getting out of the building and kind of doing some of this work there's a a, you know higher level thing design thinking when when we're looking at it around a business model concept there's kind of these three elements the desirability of your business the feasibility and the viability and what that really looks like is do people really want what you're trying to build, right? Is that how unknown is the desirability component, right? And that's the most risky part for a lot of you starting in your startup, right? was like, do people care about what you're trying to build as you're getting going, right? And then the next is, well, I've identified a need. I've done the customer discovery. I've tested those assumptions. Well, is it feasible for me to build, right? That's the next set of assumptions in that design thinking layer and then the last, is it viable, right? So actually when they're solving those, when you've created that way to create value, whatever that might be, can you actually sustain it in terms of that business model, right? And we want to start to take on those types of thinking. So we'll talk about those frameworks of, you know, hey, are you need to get into some of that desirability testing in terms of how you're looking at your assumptions and ultimately testing those. And for me, that's ultimately a really key way to start looking at it. I don't know if you want to, add some context into investment or any of the tools like a pitch deck the quickest thing
1: i'll say about that is you know like the pitch deck is a tool just like the business model canvas it has a purpose and therefore it has a defined structure about what works and what works poorly what works well and there are different facets and aspects to that that are also dependent on the stage of your company a really early stage startup pitch is very different than a series c startup pitch right so it's this tool that you use in order to communicate the information that investors expecting to know at the surface in order to do that. Granted like little side point here, the point of a pitch deck is not to get investment and that's where people, that's wrong. The purpose of an investor of a pitch deck is to get a second conversation. <laughs> it's not to get the yes, it's to get the second conversation. Right. And so, so is there a tool that you use, like, like anything else, unfortunately, I think that's just about all the time we have for today's show. But before we go, we thought we would end each episode with some frivolous, frivolous, fr, 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 uh, uh-huh. in our frivolous thoughts, my thoughts my in our, pre, in our pre- podcast meeting, we changed this from frivolity to frivolous thoughts at Cameron's request. And since then I haven't been able to say frivolous thoughts altogether in, in one. So Let's end with some frivolous thought. So, Cameron, what is your frivolous sh- fr- from, from
0: from for you to share today? My frivolous thought for us is just the role Chat GPT is playing in our. I mean, it's just been top of mind for me the last few weeks, and I've really started to lean into the tool to start to optimize some of these blank slates that I have. You know, often am doing LinkedIn posts and those types of things, and so for me, it's helped auto, auto automize some of that process for me and help me kind of get the blank slate filled a little more quickly. But, you know, I am looking at other ways to to start to plug that into my, my daily routine and start to add value to some of my work. And I, I think it's certainly a tool for startups and, you know, expediting some of that process. Right. And so you know, I imagine we'll have some conversations of how you know Chat GPT can play a role in helping you build scripts for things or whatever that might be. But it is definitely a tool that I would check out if you haven't already started to explore and play with it. But what is your frivolous thought for the day, JDM?
1: So mine is my frivolous thought is is truly frivolous. I watched the first episode of season three of Star Trek Picard. And this has nothing to do with startups whatsoever, but it is stuck in my craw. It is something that I can't stop thinking about. And not because it was great, but because I'm so undecided about it. I grew up on the next generation. I grew up on Patrick Stewart and Picard and that, that whole crew, obviously Picard's a better captain than Kirk. And and if you listeners out there think different, you can feel free to at me on social media and I will tell you why you're wrong, but, but it's it's one of those it's a it's a show that i i I know from my childhood and almost always when something gets rebooted or continued it's terrible it's just awful right and so this time they're they're bringing back the whole original crew and trying to lace that together in an interesting way and i left the first episode wondering could this possibly be good it wasn't bad right it wasn't bad it just was there's just not enough data points they don't have enough traction with me yet right for I don't have enough confirmatory data to to know, but Cameron, is it true you've never seen Star Trek? I've never seen Star Trek. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a, a little YouTube video. It's a clip from a show called Extras with, with Ricky Gervais. Patrick Stewart played himself, and it's what happens when he learns that Ricky Gervais had never seen Star Trek. All right, so your homework is to watch that. <laughs> I'm going to put that big. in the show notes. But Stay tuned for, for upcoming episodes. Our first five episodes of this podcast are entirely a startup crash course. So we just did the 30,000 foot view. But next episode, we are diving into customers. We're going to go real deep into the concept of customers. We're going to have a special guest who is an expert in, in customers and customer discovery. So that's going to be really awesome. I'm really really looking forward to that. But for now, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to give us a follow or a subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you might be listening to this. And if you found this helpful or, or even dare I say interesting, do us a favor and leave a five-star review or share it with a friend. We must appease the algorithm. We are slaves to it. And a review would really help us out. But that's it. We'll see you in two weeks. Until then, goodbye. Bye-bye. See you later.